So I think we've ended up, pretty sure we'll all agree where we ended up last week. And I think we're just going to blow right through that. But uh, verse 9, <clears throat> chapter 9, verse 9. You remember it says, Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which she has given you under the sun. And we talked a little bit about that. I think you remember the thing that stuck out to me was the fact that he is referencing one wife and not wives, like hundreds of wives, but the one wife. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But um, And tonight we're going to get in, I think, some pretty good stuff as far as you know, a lot of this has been practical stuff, right? I mean, we've talked about in this class that, you know, whether this was thousands of years ago and, you know, how it affected them then and what he Solomon found out then, how it's just true for us today, right? And the more I read this and the more I study it, it just makes that point even more or just takes it on home, you know? And getting ready for tonight and, and looking over some stuff, it just... More and more, the more I study it and look and read different things, it's just like written for us, you know? It's pretty cool. It's like it's just written for us today to live our lives, just the wisdom behind it and the the way you look at things and determine things, logic, um, it, just, it just makes sense. And like I said, even way back then and for us today. So I think that's pretty cool. And remember, too, that we try to emphasize each week that this is written with under the sun thinking. So, you know, keep that in mind as we keep going through it as well. So that kind of puts things in perspective. Does anybody want to add anything from, uh, I didn't really want to go too far back into where we were uh, last week, but I don't know if anybody had any comments or anything they wanted to add to it uh, from last week before we get started. I would like to start off with a little story I found. It's not long. I thought it made a pretty good point, talking about all the different wives, and, you know, Solomon had, what, right at a thousand, counting the concubines and wives and whatnot. But there's a fellow named Glenn Wolf, uh, died alone in Los Angeles at the age of 88. No one came to claim his body. So the city had to pay to have him buried in an unmarked grave. This is sad, but not unusual. It happens all too often in large cities where people tend to live disenfranchised lives. Glenn's situation was unique, however, because he was no ordinary man. He held a world record. The Guinness Book listed him as the most married man. 29 marriages to his credit. 29 marriages. This means 29 times he was asked, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Forsaking all others, do you pledge yourself only to her so long as you both shall live? 29 times Glenn Wolf said, I do. But it never quite worked out that way. He left behind several children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, a number of living ex-wives, a large number of ex-in-laws. Could you imagine the in-laws that man had? Good night. And, yeah, that's what I have, outlaws. Uh, sorry, Cheryl. Uh, but all that being said and all them different people, he died alone. He died alone by himself. He spent his entire adult life looking for something apparently he never found, and he died all alone. Isn't that something? Married that many times, that much family, that much in-laws, kids, grandchildren, whatever, 
and the man died alone, you know. So just because you have all that stuff, you know, it kind of makes that point, and we've talked about that in this class. You know, people are good and fine, but that too can leave you stranded, right? Or there's still that void or that gap. You're still missing something. Even with all that family, the man still died by himself. Nobody there. Nobody. So I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. I wanted to read that to you guys. All right. Let's go ahead and look at verse 10. I think this is a pretty cool verse, too. It makes a lot of sense to me. It says, verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. What is this saying in a nutshell? Let me just read it for just like it just read, and what is it saying? Okay? Need to work hard. And I'm going to mention something a little bit about that here in a second. But, I mean, what, what else kind of jumps out there to you? I know what does me, but I don't know if anybody else had a comment. Opportunity. That's right. It's not always going to be there. That's kind of when I read that and it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there's no work or device or knowledge, wisdom, none of that in the grave where you're going. So that's telling me you need to live life, get the stuff done, work, opportunities come up, you know, do it. Because as it says right here, life's short. You know, before you turn around good, there's no more opportunities, no more chances, no more I'm going to get to it later, I'm going to do it or whatever. It says right here, when you're in the grave, all bets are off. I mean, that's the end. So, yep. And I, I would agree 100% because how many times have we heard that and people that get in a fight with somebody and that's the last time they spoke to them was when they were fighting with them or, oh, I wish I'd have done this or I wish I'd have told them that or, you know, that's, you know. When opportunities arise to do stuff or get stuff finished that's undone, do it. Because, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, obviously, you know. So I think that, I thought that was a pretty strong verse to me when I read it. It kind of jumped out at me. <clears throat> and talking about work, like Jim said, and we've talked about it in this class before, do y'all consider it, not you, Roger, because he's fixing to retire apparently. So wouldn't you say it's a privilege to work? You know, we've talked about that before. But I uh, saw another little neat fact. It says... A man or woman at 50 years old have worked consistently since school, have put in around 56,000 hours of work. That's why you're so tired. 56,000 hours of work. But tell me this, what if you went to 56,000 hours grumping and moaning and I hate my life, I hate my job, this stinks, that stinks? You're going to be in bad shape. You know, that's, you're going to, you don't have a choice. You're going to be mentally <laughs> messed up but if we get up every morning like we've said earlier on in this book you know thank you lord thank you for the good night's sleep for my ability to even get up and go to work and be thankful you know that we've had the abilities and you know the the way like roger the stuff that he can do with building and windows and stuff that's a craft and an art you know that, that he has be thankful for them things the gifts that we have and our abilities 
It's easy to get down and mopey and groaning. But that's just the point I was wanting to make here. And it said, you know, and I mentioned Abe Lincoln a while back, that quote I got at the house, you know, the mindset, um, if we thank the Lord and be thankful for what we have and, and do things that are right, and when they pop up, you know, that's going to add years to your life um, and, uh, and life to your years. You know, we talked about that. Just going through life for the years, that's not good, but the life that's in your years, whether they're short or long, is the quality of life that you live. Beverly? Said you get to it one day. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, like Jim said, so many people go to the grave with that big old list of things they wish they'd have done or didn't do or left undone or whatnot. So that's just, and that's human nature, right? We tend to put stuff off, put stuff off and put stuff off, you know. But good point. Any other comments? All right, we'll keep on trucking in. Let's go to verse 11. These next couple of verses, it's going to be a pretty good summary, I think, to the book of Ecclesiastes, but y'all tell me what you think. And then uh, these next two, uh, I kind of think a lot of too as well. But verse 11 says, I returned and saw under the sun, boy, hang on, yep, that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance <clears throat> happen to them all. What is that saying? Just like we've been talking about this whole book, a lot of good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And that's exactly right. He's talking about, uh, well, go ahead, Jeff, in case you're going to say it. No, you're absolutely, and I, I, I think of Jim a lot, too, because I know how of a planner he is. But I guarantee you, how many of your plans over the years, you just got to throw them away and start over. You can make the best plans in the world, map things out to the T, and then, buddy, the next second, you're going in that direction. You know, Karen and then Beverly. It's one thing we all have in common is the amount of time and death. That's right. And it's all going to catch you one day, Beverly. Mm-mm. No, we all have good intentions and have things planned out, but you're right. That's because why is that, though? Because why? Choice. And are we in total control? Nope, we're not. That's true. And I was going to make mention of that, not that, but two things. Flo mentioned last week, had she taken a job a while back, she wouldn't have a job right now. So that, that is a good point. And the other one I know you all probably tired of hearing of, but to clear up some things here. When I met Cheryl, I did, my dad passed away. And at the time, that was terrible. But had he not passed away, I, I would not have met Cheryl. So at the time, I didn't, you know, you don't know that. I just knew I was, you know, at the time, I was only 20, so you're kind of confused and, mad and why this and why that but then comes to find out that's when I met Cheryl now we got two boys I mean you know so things things to Jim's point that might not be our plan at the time well I cannot believe my dad died but because of that look at the good that has has come from it so no I I agree 100% Our, our plans thankfully are a lot of times are rerouted you know whoa 
<laughs> well, they do say history repeats itself, so nothing's new under the sun, right? There's nothing new, so we just keep repeating ourselves. Why me? Why me? Be patient, and you'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, but us as humans and the way we think is hard to, can't think like God, but he definitely knows better than we do. Good point, Beverly. Oh, and that's a good point. I think last week we mentioned sometimes it takes that one wrong turn that impacts your whole life forever and even for the work and for the bad, you know. It takes one decision and, you know, unfortunately the, the wrong one can can be devastating. But you're right, Roger. If you look back on your life, there are probably a handful of times you really had to make a tough call and stuff to put you where you're at today, so... Good comment. Anything else? Let's look at verse 12. I think this is pretty interesting, too, the way it's worded. Verse 12 says, For man also does not know his time. Okay, we know that. But look at how he puts it. Like fish taken in a cruel net, like birds caught in a snare, so the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. Isn't that pretty neat how he worded that or how he compared that? You know, just think of, I love to fish. Just think of a fish one second. You're, you know, doing your fish thing, and next thing somebody's snatching you out of the water with a big hook in your mouth, and you're done, you know, just that quick. Or if you're a hunter or a deer hunter, and the big deer comes by one second, he's eating corn, and second second, he's taking a dirt nap, you know, so... Just like that, is, he's comparing that to our lives, you know? Just how quick and how sudden that can come upon us just the same way. I mean, how, t- how many people do you know that, you know, I can name several that have passed on way before they should have, maybe a massive heart attack or something, and one minute they're here, next minute they're gone, you know? So just making that point, how precious life is, and somebody mentioned earlier, don't take it for granted, you know? Uh, live your life and because it could be gone just like that. It could be gone tomorrow. So, no, uh, go ahead. Yep. No, and that's in a nutshell. And aren't you glad we don't know? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I'm kind of glad I don't know the f- whole future of things and my fate as far. I mean, you know, there's some things you just don't want to know. So there, there's a reason we don't know it. And that's, that's it, I'm sure. Um, Good comment. Anything else? So uh, I guess you could say, before we move on, these few verses here kind of, to me, sum up a lot. Sum up a lot of the book of Ecclesiastes, if you would agree. You know, life's short. Live it to the fullest. Enjoy life. And that's another thing. As Christians, y'all know anybody that or that thinks as Christians you can't enjoy life? You know. Are there people that think Christians can't enjoy life? And that's so not true. You know, look where Adam and Eve, where they were plopped down at in the beginning. Man, that was like heaven on earth. I mean, they, you know, they had it all, anything you could imagine, enjoy, and blah, blah, blah. Why can't we, as Christians, enjoy life and live it to the fullest today? Now, yeah, there's things we are not going to do it because we are Christians. We don't want to do it because we're Christians. But we can still have fun. 
you know? I know raising two sons in the church, you know, thankfully that never was even in question, if that makes sense. They just knew that, you know, there's some things that they did, just didn't want to do. They didn't want to hang out with certain people or didn't want to go to certain things because they knew the position it would put them in. But they sure found a way to have a lot of fun with the friends they did have and to do things that were nice, good, clean fun, you know. And how thankful are you for that, you know, if you're the parent. So Christians can absolutely have fun on this earth. Right, Steve? Yeah. Yep. We can have all the fun we want and and uh and be good. So Yep. And that and, and that's a good thing to remember too. And another thing we God don't owe us anything. A lot of Christians think that God owes them something or somebody owes them something. That's not that's not how that works. You know, you might be a Christian but God don't owe you anything. We owe God everything. You know, we need to remember that. Like the old That's right. Yeah, start counting your blessings, and then you'll see, you know, good comments. All right, we're going to keep on trucking then, but first I'm going to ask you something real quick. Anybody ever heard of a man called Ed Falbert? Falbert? I hope you hadn't. Ed, Ed Falbert. Good. <clears throat> Forward is what you call a cupper. In layman's terms, he's a coffee taster, okay? Coffee taster. Um, and what we're going to be talking about, I guess, leading into this, why I'm even bringing this up, you know, talking about wisdom beyond imagination or beyond words, just great wisdom over stuff. Well, this Ed Forward is called a cupper, and, you know, in layman's terms, I guess we could say he's a coffee taster. It says the man is so gifted that his taste buds are actually certified by the state of New York. It says so refined is Faubert's sense of taste for coffee that even while he's blindfolded, he can take one sip of coffee and tell you just from that one sip that it's from Guatemala, uh, what altitude it was grown at, and on what mountain it was grown on. From one sip, he can tell you all that. That's hard to comprehend, you know, that you put that much effort and that much talent and knowledge into tasting coffee, you know? There's so much more things. Is that really important? And that's kind of the point I was going to get to in a little bit later. Why are we so... I'm not trying to pick on you or anything, Jeff, but I guarantee you, you can write off some football stats. That, but, you know, why, the thing is, but we still do it, right? Everybody in here probably knows a little bit about something that you're like, really, you know that? Why do you know that? You know, why do we, why do we worry so much about useless stuff? I'm scared to tell you things. I know everything. <laughs> oh, you've told me enough. <laughs> I figured you had a long time ago. <laughs> but we, why do we get so concerned on knowing all this useless stuff? You know, but we do. We spend a lot of time and effort learning it and keeping up with it. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of times it's our passion or a hobby or whatever. Uh, but if you, if you think about it, like this guy drinking coffee, I love coffee. But I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go that far. And I can tell you, you know, if it's yuck or tastes good, that's about it. You know, or I need another cup or something. Uh, I don't know why I'm even telling you this, but 
The first evidence of human habitation in Guatemala, as I was studying and looking, dates back to 12,000 B.C. Y'all believe that? Archaeological proof. Now, this is a... (laughs) This is even better, I thought. Archaeological proof that early Guatemalan settlers, they were hunters and gatherers. (laughs) What else are you going to do? That's all you have to do. I'm going to hunt to eat, and I'm going to gather stuff for a fire and to sleep. I thought, again, I don't know why I told you all that, but I saw it, and I thought, man, that's pretty interesting, you know. That's right. Now, I'll probably remember that forever <laughs> now that I've done that. Wow. Legendary Mr. Rogers once said, life is deep and simple, and what our society gives us is shallow and complicated. Good old Mr. Rogers. Boy, he was a good neighbor, wasn't he? Yeah. I already did a little research on him, and I'm not going to go into all that, but by the way, did y'all know Fred was a Presbyterian minister? (laughs) I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Your good neighbor. He was a Presbyterian preacher. Let's read a couple more verses, okay? I know I kind of got us all going crazy. I don't know why I do that sometimes, but. I read stuff, and I think it's interesting, so I feel like y'all need to know it too. So, All right. Appreciate wisdom in others. Let's read a couple verses here. Let's appreciate the wisdom. I, thought, I think this verse here uh, tells a great story too. It's pretty much, <clears throat> um, I guess you could call it a parable, really. Uh, verse 13, it says, well, let's go through 15. This wisdom I have also seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. That's pretty good coming from Solomon, right? If you think about it. The wisdom I have also seen under the sun, it seemed great to me. The wisest man that ever lived is saying, hey, this impressed me. That's pretty cool, you know. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. What's that story kind of telling? I think, I mean, it, to me it's like a parable, obviously, and it's talking about a wise man pretty much outsmarting uh, the great king, right? Um, he saves the day, you could say. This poor, poor little man here saves the day, but he didn't really seem to get rewarded for it, did he? or any praise, or pat on the back, or anything. It's almost like he just kind of got looked over, right? Here the guy is, save the city. And they don't say if he did it, you know, in a political way, or in a military-type way, or maybe played rock, you know, rock, paper, scissors, or something with him. They don't say. But however he did it, he saved the day, right? He saved the city, but he got no reward or no attaboys for it. But was there good that was done? Was there good done? Whether or not he got praise for it or anybody, you know, his wisdom got them out of a tight spot. But that's right. And that was the point I'm trying to make. Just because it went unnoticed doesn't mean very good things didn't happen because of it, okay? His wisdom saved the day. 
whether they admit it or not or recognize it, but in the end, good things still happen, you know, and that's, you know, just because we do stuff sometimes and people don't notice it, we're still doing good and we still need to do good stuff. All right, we're going to stop there, y'all. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it.